one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Balanced Podcast with me, Molly Raycroft, a well-being and health journalist with a passion for living better. Each episode, we'll speak to a special guest about how they incorporate wellness into their lifestyle. By sharing their stories, we hope you can learn some tips and tricks to finding balance within your own life. In this episode, we'll be speaking to actor Eliza Butterworth. She's fresh from wrapping up the final ever series of The Last Kingdom, where she played Lady Ellsworth for the past eight years. Now, she's living in Tenerife, filming for her next role in an upcoming drama called A Town Called Malice. So we'll be chatting about how she prepares to spend months working away from home, how she deals with insecurities when in front of the camera, and how it's been leaving a big part of her life behind. Hi Eliza, how are you doing? Hi Molly, I'm so well, thank you. How are you? Really good, thank you. And excited to be talking to you today because we're going to be talking a bit about how you look after your health and well-being and how that interacts with your acting career, especially as you seem to be going to all different places across the world on these filming sets, which is amazing, but must be quite tough on keeping to a routine to look after yourself. But before we get into all that, I think where I'd like to start is understanding what does having balance in your life mean to you? Um, I think it just means a, just a sense of feeling kind of whole and complete and sort of in control of yourself. And I know the older I've gotten, I'm 28 now, I sort of think about it every single day in the sense of where I'm lacking control, where I am gaining it and the things that do bring me joy and happiness, whether that be like a physical thing or something that I'm putting in my body or what, what I'm getting sort of almost called nutrients from like, you know, your outside world, what you're sort of feeding your mind and your brain, who you're hanging out with. So I think as you get older, you start to balance your life with what does bring you goodness I guess so for me balance is just a sense of recognizing what makes you feel good and learning how to actually bring that into your life more and more and more so that becomes the norm and that becomes like your next sort of like comfort level and how you can live within those kind of circumstances that you can almost create for yourself once you've learned what you love and enjoy and what makes you feel good. Is there anything key to that that you do to keep yourself healthy? Do you have like the foundations? When I was younger, I was terrible with my diet and stuff. And I will say, even as a 28 year old, I get it so wrong. And like, I'm still really working it out in, in terms of what makes my body feel good. And I am such a cookie monster and I have such a sweet tooth and I, and I, you know, love all the sort of naughty things in life in terms of like food and things like that. But um, I feel like I'm getting more in tune with trying to eat fruit and trying to, you know, when it comes to like food, let's say nutrition, um, being a lot sort of better at acknowledging when I'm gone off piece 
fast or, you know, knowing actually that doesn't, it might make my brain feel good for 10 seconds, but does it make my feel, my body feel good in the long run? Absolutely not. So that sense of knowing in, in a sense balance, because then you can't completely deprive yourself of everything, especially if it's what you love. And if you enjoy sharing, let's say sweet treats with friends or people bake for you, or you love, you know, eating with your family, there are so many elements of that that's just so enjoyable that I, you know, I never want to say no to, but when I'm on my own, I'm definitely more in tune with, okay, I need to be healthier here, or, you know, I need to really look after this side of my life. And then with exercise as well, because that's a huge part of our lives. I am such, <laughs> I go in really weird ways of being amazing at exercise and I can go to the gym loads and I can just love it all. And then absolutely nothing. I'm sort of an all or nothing kind of person. So also recognizing that that in itself isn't the best way to be, because you need to find balance with that. You need to find uh, ways of still getting in all the physical stuff, but knowing how to enjoy it. So I feel like the older I'm getting more, I'm like, ooh, what makes me feel good? Maybe it's Zumba, maybe it's dancing instead of actually going to the gym. Is that quite difficult when your schedule gets super busy? Because I know when my schedule gets busy, I succumb to like grabbing the first thing off the shelf or like ordering a takeaway. My diet just goes completely downhill so quickly. Yeah, I am exactly that. And I think it's just the older I've gotten, the more I care about that more. So I think I'm trying to stay focused on what really matters and just how to feel good. So it's not even necessarily looking different or looking a certain way. It's more just I think about how it makes your body feel and what kind of energy it gives you. Because I, again, the older I've gotten, the more I'm aware of those quick, you know, sugary things or whatever actually gives you a big burst of energy, but doesn't necessarily make you feel good. Um, so yeah, on set, they're so wonderful. The, the current project I'm working on, um, they really provide such healthy food. So you kind of can't really go too wrong there unless you go to like the craft services where all the snacks are, which is obviously where I'm hanging out most of the time. Um, but as long as you're like, you know, clocking yourself with all that, it's, it's pretty good. And it's quite an active job in some ways you know oftentimes we're always on our feet and if you've got a long filming day they can be you know really long days um so you often find that you're really active you're always talking to people you're always on the go especially if it's an action scene there's a lot kind of demanded of you energy wise so in a sense it's important to keep all of that up but I will say you know when I've got like down days for sure especially where I'm currently filming which is Tenerife it's absolutely beautiful you walk around there's just the loveliest cafes and restaurants and stuff so it's nice to experience that as part of the culture I feel like in hot weather, you often gravitate to like lighter meals anyway, don't you? So true. I, I'm finding myself getting the chicken salad, pollo ensalada, por favor. Like, I'm like, yes. <laughs> Whereas, you know, I'm, I'm such a, I, I love like burgers and things like that. So it can be quite naughty if I, if I really let myself be. But I think, yeah, out here, you're so right in the sunshine. I think it just gives you that, that lighter mood, which is lovely. And just the sense of the sun being around. I do feel like you become more in tune with your body and because you're sort of more like rooted. I know this sounds really hippy dippy, but in the earth, because, you know, maybe you're, you're not having to wear coats and you're kind of out in the sun and it makes you feel like, oh, I'm at one with the earth, as silly as that sounds. Um, whereas in the winter, you're just like, screw this, let me put on a huge parker coat. I don't want to see anyone. Let me eat everything I want. Like, yeah, I'm miserable. <laughs> whereas here, I feel like you're more aware of yourself, which is really nice when the sun comes out. So yeah, and, and that obviously 
even sunshine brings such balance. Speaking of like mental health, um, aside from physical health, but just having some vitamin D is just so ridiculously important. And I know I'm extremely lucky being where I am at the moment that, that I've kind of got it in abundance. But yeah, it, it only just makes me even more grateful knowing that once you do have it, it does just change so much your mood and your outlook and attitude. So yeah, even though I obviously live in London, which is not always sunny, you know, it's nice to really take it in when it's there to really enjoy and appreciate the sun. Do you enjoy traveling or like obviously you're there for work at the moment, but is it something that you enjoy besides doing it for work purposes? Absolutely. I love it. I absolutely love it. And my dad was actually a pilot when I was growing up. So we used to travel a lot because of his work, but also just like, you know, wanting to go on adventures. And my mother's American too. So we'd go to America a lot. So I'm very used to traveling. And to do The Last Kingdom, I worked in Budapest for about, well, eight years on and off um, altogether. And that was just so much fun. If anything, it gives you like a whole new element of work because you're going away from your home, you're going away from what you know. So I feel like you immediately put your mind into to something completely different um so in that sense I really enjoyed that aspect of traveling um and yeah being in Tenerife I mean who could complain I mean it's just awesome I honestly just pinch myself I'm like walking around the parks going what I this is my job this is insane yeah and you're there for quite long periods of time aren't you so is it all work or do you get time to kind of immerse yourself in the culture and the language and pick up little phrases yeah. I mean, there's totally loads of downtime, which is great. Um, and uh, we, we as a cast have already become so close because this is season one of the show that we're doing. It's called A Town Called Malice, which is named after the song by The Jam, if anyone knows The Jam. And we are such a tight cast already and it's so lovely. So on downtime, we'll find fabulous restaurants and um, maybe walk around the park. We did a really cool rural park uh, visit recently, which was really nice getting right in the nature. And I just really had yeah just such pinch me moments of like a gosh I can't believe I'm here it's just such a lovely facet of, of the work that we do um but obviously when when it is demanding on set it's a lot of fun I mean it's a lot of fun and like especially when you're playing with people that you really really love and get on with it's just that it's just completely awesome to have those bonds and then be able to create these relationships and dynamics together as your characters and what's interesting about a town called Malice as well is that we play a big family so there's already really amazing dynamics being created for us and so yeah together we're exploring the culture and uh, I'm trying to pick up a bit of Spanish un poquito now and then <laughs> I can say a few words I can kind of get by like in the shops and stuff I'm like me gustaría un menu por favor <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Amazing, more than me. What oh. about Hungarian? Did you pick up any Hungarian when you were in Budapest? Did over the years, but I will say I am ashamed to say I should know a lot more than I do, considering how long we were over there and for how many years in total. But Hungarian is such a stunning language, but it's so hard. It's just crazy. It's where I certainly can't read it very well. But when I listen to it, I'll always ask like our amazing Last Kingdom crew and our uh, drivers, everyone who's potentially from Hungary, whether they can teach us phrases and stuff. And they're so wonderful. My favorite phrase is hoj voj, which is how are you? you bilingual yeah oh thank you <laughs> so if you say you get a job and you know you're going to be away for a long while do you have any rituals that you do before you go to kind of prepare yourself for being away from home for such a long time 
Totally. I mean, right before I'm to go anywhere, I'll try and see all my friends, uh, you know, as much as possible. But I do know, obviously, th- through the pandemic and everything like that, it's not been as, as kind of normal to, to see a lot of people. But I'll check in with as many people as possible. And yeah, just just go. And when, you know, I'm very lucky, actually, at the moment, I get to live in an apartment. So because we're out here for quite a long stint and we're not really going back and forth like some other jobs, you might, you know, fly out, but you might get to come back quite a lot. Um, for this one, I'm lucky I'm out here. So I'm sort of, you know, just making the apartment my own which is really lovely I just feel really privileged that I get to sort of have this space to to work in but also to to enjoy as like a second mini home I guess so I suppose the rituals for me is like I am an extremely clean and tidy person so I will like clean the whole place and buy all my cleaning equipment and make sure that I feel sort of safe and comfortable in the new space but yeah it's just what do I bring I mean as as you said Molly you you are a fan of fashion just like me um and I have so many clothes I brought three ginormous suitcases full of clothes and I swear to god I've only used about a third of them so far but um you know just hanging up on my clothes and you know getting all the pieces that are from home that really remind you of being back there and luckily um, I can have my parents here in the next few weeks so they're going to come out and visit so that to me is just like an extra slice the best slice of home um so I can't wait for them to come here will they be bringing any home comforts for you anything from home that you're missing you'll laugh but my favorite thing in the world is squash like Robinson squash <laughs> I love squash and so my mother she's like do you want anything what can I get you just let me know because you know we can't pack a lot but if there's something you need and I was like squash it's squash I need squash so she's gonna bring the little mini like Robinson squash they're like little squirty oh yeah I know I know but I will then be in heaven um when I get my Robinson squash <laughs> from home I think for me it's always skincare because you can't get certain brands in other countries so true absolutely I am exactly the same and I bring a lot of skincare with me but then I get really excited when I go like in in Tenerife it's just so beautiful the shops are incredible I'll go into the little independent sort of beauty boutiques and start looking at their brands and seeing like oh what's this kind of stuff and like you know special coconut oils and things like that so it's nice to sort of try new brands from different countries and cultures it's really nice I suppose as well, the SPF is the main thing if you're living in Tenerife at the moment. Absolutely. I've had to be really good at just, you know, doing it every day. And, you know, I, I actually started putting on SPF 50 every day about two or three years ago, uh, no matter what, even in the winter sun. Um, my mother used to do that too. And I will say she's got amazing skin and she looks so young. And it's just, it just I guess it just gives me the like the mental security that I put a barrier on my face against anything. So speaking of balance, I suppose that's another thing of like, okay, it's a simple step to look after your skin, but something that you'll probably you really thank yourself for in the future which is you know a huge thing and speaking of skincare and balance when I was a teenager I used to have like the worst acne ever and it's all you know come through balance in the sense of um how to sort of maintain your skin and look after it and I used to do probably heard of all this stripping your skin with every toner possible um and every alcohol and you know I would just make it as dry as I could and of course it made it 10 times worse and I'll never forget this lovely um beautician telling me oh you've got to add oil to your skin and I was like what and obviously I know it's completely different for all types of skincare so I'm not saying that this is any certain way to, to go but for me it certainly helped to have a balance and add oils to my skincare and, and yeah my skin's gotten a lot better over the years through that so it's very interesting like a chemistry project 
<laughs> I feel like there's so much more information about skincare these days because like you say when we were younger there really wasn't that much out there and I remember those I don't know if you remember them those um like stickers that you would put on your face to like rip out the blackheads, the blackheads. and now they say that's like the worst thing you can do and yeah. you know oh my gosh and I will say, like, if I'm lucky enough to go go for a facial or something, I might might only go like once every couple of months or three months. I'll go for like a, a sort of microdermabrasion or one of those like dermaplaning things, just something to sort of get all the toxins out of the skin and start it afresh and revive it. So there's definitely instead of doing all ice, do all of those strips, you name it. If it was like had witch hazel in it, or if it was some strong toner, I'd be like, put a lot on my face. And of course, bless me, like the the skin got so much worse. Um, but now as a 28 year old, I can totally tell what my skin needs so much more. Even I can see when it's really, really dry. And oftentimes I think I've got oily combinations again, but yeah, I'm so good at knowing what to pack on there. <laughs> oh, it's such a, like depletes your confidence so much when you have terrible skin, doesn't it? I, I remember being younger and being a teenager, how awful that can be. And if anything, I got way more self-conscious from being an actor, being on camera, being, you know, looking a certain way in, you know, in high definition, you sort of think, oh my gosh. And um, it was in The Last Kingdom, especially, I think I got very self-conscious and and not in an uber bad way, just made me go, oh, right, that's sort of what I look like. Because in The Last Kingdom, we can't really wear a lot of makeup because it's set like a thousand years ago and, you know, we're being quite true to the times. So the only makeup you might get is probably like aging makeup or you might get like war makeup. So if you've been in a battle, so the, the, the dirt and the mud and everything like that and the scars. So the makeup is amazing in that sense because everybody looks so natural yet at the same time so characterful. But with my character, Lady Elswift, she's not supposed to be in any way glamorous or, you know, pretty or whatever. It's she's that's not a thing. She's she's a wonderful, wonderful character, but she's fiercely pious, you know. So it was actually about bringing all that down. And as you can see, I'm I'm extremely glamorous. Um, and so for me, it was really hard to strip all that away. And then on top of that, you know, suffer from a bit of acne and knowing that it was right there, you know, high definition, right on a massive screen. It's just like, you know, so I think that's what made me even more subconscious. But you know, if anything, it just taught me lessons of how to, to keep my skin good. And my goodness, I still get so many bad days, bad skin days. Um, and I just sort of think we're all human beings. And I certainly never, ever look at anyone else's skin and think anything of it. I just think everybody's beautiful. So I think there is a sense of being maybe too hyper-focused on your own aesthetic. And you can dwell too much on how you look, but actually nobody else even notices or cares. Why would they care? You know, who cares sort of what you look like in a sense? So getting back to what we were saying about traveling and um, sets, is there anywhere in the world that you would like to visit and act in? Maybe the Arctic. Would you be up for somewhere really like rogue? Fabulous. That would be really fabulous. In fact, I did do a, a show called The North Water, although weirdly we filmed it in Budapest, but a lot of The North Water was set in the Arctic, although none of my scenes are set in the Arctic. Mine was set in the docks of Hull, which were actually weirdly filmed in Budapest. But yeah, the Arctic would be fabulous. Um, and I always have the idea of like somewhere like Brazil or um, or Japan, like these, I just love those kinds of places, but I've never been, but there's so much culture. It's just so rich in, in culture and just, you know, wonderful things. I just think that would be amazing to experience one day. And also Ireland, because it's so breathtakingly beautiful and so close to England, of course. And also um, it's nice that I'm, I've got American citizenship and have done since I was born. So it would be really nice to potentially work in the States one day. I've never done that before. 
just such a wonderful opportunity if I was ever lucky enough to to work there just to see what that's like because I definitely feel like it's a whole other half of my identity that I haven't necessarily explored enough which is really cool. I was going to ask you actually about how you relax and I know you said in previous interviews that you like cooking and I was wondering if you kind of bring your dual heritage into your cooking do you cook any kind of Italian American specialities? Totally. And I will say my mama is such a wonderful cook. So she's the Italian American one and she's fantastic at cooking and she'll make everything from scratch and she'll kind of glance at a recipe and then go, right, I know what to do. And, you know, she does her own twist and her own thing and she just amazes me. And, you know, there's just something about a mother's cooking or a parent's cooking, like, you know, it's packed with love. And as it's, it's cheesy as that sounds, it is so true. I, I know exactly what she's done to make it. I can watch her in the kitchen. I'm just always in awe of her um, and my, my lovely dad as well. Um, but my mum is definitely the more creative one when it comes to cooking and stuff. So, yeah, I've definitely, the older I've become, way more appreciated that. And if anything... Um, look back at all the times as a child she'd go come in here watch me make this you know one day you're gonna want to make this as well and da, da, da. and now I'm like oh my gosh she's so right I, I do want to learn how to to make that and um, yeah I'm, I'm in the last couple of years I've gotten much better at cooking I think I used to see it as a chore and speaking of balance I think I used to think you know can I be bothered kind of this and that and now I see not only is it healthier to cook because you know exactly what's going in it you can really choose how healthy you want to be on an evening or if you're cooking lunch whatever and there's also that sense of the therapeutic side which I never understood when I was 24 25 I think oh what's therapeutic about cooking I don't understand and now that I'm 28 I really just see it as a time to switch off and that all your focus goes on that one thing and I just love it and then you the creativity on the other side going oh I made this my process of you know whatever I, I made that and especially when it's like a new recipe if I've never done it before I think ooh, I, I feel a bit proud of myself even if it goes totally wrong and I've burnt it whatever I'm still like ah, oh, you know I tried that and like you know it's just fun to see the outcome for sure if I came around for dinner what would you make what's your speciality that's such a good question so really I know this isn't really Italian or American but I love paella or paella it's I love like adding different things to it all the time and like you know retweaking it and trying out different recipes and I'm also massively into Asian food and so I'd probably try like a Thai green curry to make or something like that um, but when it comes to Italian food, I do like a classic sort of spaghetti and meatballs, but like homemade meatballs. You can even make like uh, vegan vegetarian meatballs, which is really nice to a substitute version. And yeah, a risotto. I love a risotto, like a butternut squash risotto. It's my favorite with special cheeses on top, that kind of thing. But yeah, I'm trying to, to learn and I'm trying to get better at making big salads. Because again, when I was younger, I was like, oh, salads are boring. And now I'm like, no, I love a salad. You can literally pile all kinds of fabulous things in it and make it different every day if you want and I now have I know what a dork I am but now I have much more of an excitement around salads which is which is great and good as well for health and balance and everything like that and um again if I was lucky enough to have children in the future I would I'm glad that these skills and sort of ideas are coming to me now so that in the future if I was ever to you know be a mother or anything like that I, I have more of a healthy outlook so that I can aid them obviously with their diet and upbringing. 
I feel like salads are a really misunderstood dish because they can actually be really filling, can't they? So filling. And I've really gotten into doing like big butternut squash salad. So like roasting it in the oven, yeah, cutting it up and then tossing it with like um, olive oil and different, you know, herbs or, you know, just pepper even is just gorgeous. And then, yeah, putting that in a big salad, pumpkin seeds, you know, special spinach, all of that. I just love it. And then cheeses. Ooh, it's so good. So when you um, have downtime and you've obviously had an amazing meal and it's time for bed and you need to make sure you're getting enough sleep before you start on your next day of work, do you have a sleep routine? Do you find it easy to get to bed? I will say, Molly, I have to admit, anyone who knows me knows I am actually quite a terrible sleeper. And it's a really unfortunate thing that I think I've inherited from my lovely dad. There's, I feel like there are just two types of people. There are some people, and this is my mother... This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. She can lay her head on a pillow and she's out cold. That's all she has to do. She she never ever struggles to sleep. My dad and I, on the other hand, it's it's like a whole process and I've really had to over the years try and learn what is best and so yes speaking of balance there with sleep is literally the most important thing and I know it because my goodness have I been deprived of it as well for the years just from my own lack of routine or not knowing what's good enough to do or or doing the wrong thing and so I will say enemy number one is the mobile phone (laughs) you know in all territories when it comes to sleep because it keeps your brain too active. You might then start thinking about loads of things you have to do. You know, I've got to text that person or I've got to look up this or I've got to, you know, I'm constantly making notes in my phone and then I use my phone as an alarm. Um, so I'm learning like to back off the phone because I really do think it's as good as our technology is and our social media is, it, it's extremely detrimental to our natural functions as a human being. As, as human beings, we weren't supposed to be on these gadgets all day long. So this idea of just switching all of that off and uh, trying to, yeah, just 
deactivate from that, you know, throughout the day. And the whole thing of like the light, the light really makes your eyes, you know, strain and also keeps your brain too awake. So I'm, I've definitely come to realize how bad that is for me um, and trying to be much better at just putting the phone away, you know, a good hour before I want to go to sleep. You just drank some water, but like literally like drinking water, <laughs> just like drinking water is really, really good. Sometimes I'll I'll read as well. I feel like that just really helps your brain to switch off. Um, and that's something that a lot of people do. Or I'll light a candle. Let's say I don't just want to go into pitch black darkness. I light a candle for, for a while and just sort of, you know, smell it and just be, be in a nice sort of ambience and aura that's really relaxing for a while. And when I feel like I'm dozing off, I'll just blow out the candle and, you know, feel a lot more calm. But I will say, speaking back to skincare, I think doing a nice skincare routine for yourself before you go to bed is also really, really lovely and therapeutic. And again, it's that time you're just taking care of yourself for, you know, 10, 15 minutes or however long. Um, and then, yeah, getting yourself to bed. And the older I become, the more I'm like, oh, you really have to look after yourself because nobody else will, you know, whereas when you're a child, you know, people who care about you telling you do this, do that, you know, this is how you have to do you know whatever and go to sleep whereas when you're older you're like oh that is fully my responsibility obviously and uh, even at 28 I will say I'm not not even that good at it so just you know speaking of balance and health I am so much more aware these days of how you know monumentally important sleep is I don't feel like anyone has mastered getting rid of their phone before bed. And also, I was reading the other day that you shouldn't even check your phone in the morning, which is the first thing I guiltily do because I'm like, oh my God, I've had messages in the night, got to read my emails. Apparently, it's the equivalent of like a group of people coming into your bedroom and like shouting at you in the morning. No way. Yeah, like that's what it does to your brain. It's like, shocks you. what a wild analogy that is actually so true of course is because that much attention to something all of a sudden your focus is split you know 10 ways and yeah what must be activated in your brain is just crazy so I can totally see why that is the case just people coming in I want this you know do that um and I and I will say I'm almost envious of like our parents generation because when they went home from work no one could really contact them of course there were the landlines and you know fax machines um you know and there were computers email but there was no way they were as much of being on demand as we are and in one sense all that connectivity is really really good but every day without fail I think of how nice it must have been for them to really clock off when they went home to their families or they went out to visit friends there wasn't another element i.e a phone to get in the way of that interaction so when they were with their friends wherever you know look at how wholesome I'm going to sound I was like at the bowling alley or it's like it's like a scene out of Greece or something but it's just that sense of they really did just put their energy in the direction it needed to go wherever that was rather than it being so scattered the way you know us as in modern day have to scatter it because we are on demand and I suppose you know in certain ways I'm really always trying to keep on top of things but oftentimes you know you can't help but maybe let a friend down if you're not around for FaceTime or you're not whereas back in our parents day you know it's like I'll see you when I see you so in some ways I'm kind of envious of them I feel like it can be difficult if you're working like me and you we both work in highly competitive industries if you miss the email from someone with an opportunity that's it you could lose out on a massive chance to do something amazing and that kind of brings about this nervousness of being away from your phone for too long because you're like oh I could get the big break and then the big breaks missed because you weren't with your phone 
Yeah, totally, Molly. I completely agree with you. There's just always this like pressure to be connected to everything at all times. And which is one sense, for anything, I'd say us as a generation should pat ourselves on the back. I know we get a lot of stick. There's this whole like, oh, the millennials and this, they, they love their phones. But in a way, we've been um, adapted to live in those circumstances. We have been now fine-tuned to work in this way. And if anything, it's then up to us to kind of facilitate that. And as you say, we get into trouble if we don't adhere by the new circumstances and the new ways of living and you know, the sense of always being on demand, because you say other people will get that then, other people will be in touch, other people will be connected with, and they'll get the jobs or they'll get the this and that. Whereas, yeah, back in the day, I suppose, you know, someone looked at your CV and said, that looks good, come on in. And now it's just like a plethora of people and opportunities, which in some senses is wonderful because it opens so many doors for so many people. But yeah, there is that other sense of going, well, I better be on my game and keep keep it up all the time so that I can, yeah, get, get what I want and whatever. And I will say, even within the acting industry, the, the, the most amazing like part of casting is like, you know, casting directors really do find talent and they, they can look for it anywhere these days now in the sense that it doesn't even have to be actors or anyone who's even had like acting experience it could be that there's like a a look or an aesthetic that they want in somebody they think that looks right for this film or this play or whatever it is it's amazing how technology has even opened up worlds like that but then as you say that only adds more pressure of like okay you know any anyone you know this job is up for grabs for anybody so you've got to kind of be on your game I suppose but then I guess for me I'm in a very lucky position at the moment getting to work on a project and knowing that now is the time to start not switching off of things but just being like more aware that I can now just enjoy the work that I'm doing now and currently be as present as possible which is another thing at the age of 28 I'm way more aware of than I was at like sort of 25 I used to think what does that mean being present and now I'm like oh my gosh I so feel it when I'm giving somebody my full energy or attention or if I'm receiving their full energy or attention it makes such a huge difference and I can feel myself not doing it at times and then thinking oh that why did that interaction not feel as good as it could have oh I, I wasn't fully invested in it why because I wasn't present or whatever so yeah I'm way more aware of things at 28. 28 feels like a very good age for me. I'm like, oh yeah, it's like I've just like figured out all of life. Do you have any advice for anyone who is dealing with the nerves of like getting into an industry that's maybe very pressurized? Totally. I mean, I will say just as long as you work hard and keep preparing in any which way that you feel suitable is always going to put you in good stead. And I will say like a competitive industry means you're not always going to get everything. And that's actually okay. And actually, I was speaking to somebody recently about the word like rejection or the word mistake or the word no, they have such negative connotations. But if anything, And I know, again, I'm speaking from quite a lucky position in this sense, but I've definitely had so many no's, so many rejections throughout my time in this industry, way more no's than I could ever receive a yes. But if anything, that's just made me go, okay, I'm not going to take it personally because it could be down to the most trivial little things, especially with casting and acting. It could be, you know, you're not the right height, you don't have the right color eyes, you know, you're not the right age, and you could be a very talented person, but you're not necessarily completely right for that particular role and that's okay so knowing like not to take things personally and just to keep moving on keep you know developing but keep preparing because I think as long as you walk in a room and you've done everything in your power possible to do what you can do best you can never leave that room even if you've received a rejection or a no or whatever 
never to take that as a bad thing because of anything what you've done is planted a seed in that let's say it's about acting that casting director or that producer's mind of that you are a wonderful actor you're really prepared really talented really hard working and they can just think about you for the next project and I will say I'm testament to this because where I'm sitting right now is a cause of that exact thing the wonderful casting director who cast this project saw me for something years ago and really really liked it and um, I wasn't quite right for it but it was the sense of okay I'm going to look out for something for you in the future and if you know another opportunity were to arise we'll bring you in for that and see what you can do there and because I had done a lot of work for that previous audition it meant for then this one they already knew what I was capable of but then there's a sense of right I'm going to you know really give it my all again and of course then and then it worked out so you just never know that just by working really hard even if it's a no for that one particular thing especially in a competitive industry never to berate yourself or beat yourself up because mental health wise I've seen so many phenomenal actors and wonderful people losing themselves because of how tough this industry is and actually forgetting how brilliant they are and then when you lose sight of that your self-esteem can lower very easily and actually that's and it's that's so dangerous and so not what anyone is in this business for and I think if that starts to happen you really just have to assess you know why you want to be an actor does it really bring true happiness and everything like that and if so then keep preparing keep working hard and even if rejection still comes your way that's always temporary in my head rejection is so temporary in our industry it comes and goes and if you're right for this part you will get that part I always believe that. For you, you've obviously played some real life people. Um, You've played Princess Eugenie, and then you've also played Lady Ellsworth. Is there an added pressure of playing real life people? That's such a good question. Um, In a way, with Lady Ellsworth, there wasn't a lot of information about her, actually, from the time. So uh, the only sort of information I could derive before playing her were the the works of Bernard Cornwall, who'd written the Saxon stories, which is the sort of set of uh, novels that The Last Kingdom is all based on. Um, So in a sense, um, I could get a little bit from that, but I could kind of do whatever I wanted in a way. And the scriptwriter certainly pushed me in a certain direction with Ellsworth. It was very very much in the first three seasons, this element that she was actually the antagonist. She was somebody who was more villainized. She was always in the path of like destruction. She was always trying to sort of destroy Uhtred, our like lead, you know, amazing warrior. So there's a sense of like, actually, she wasn't always the nicest of of characters so it totally then led me to, to play her like that so I wasn't then too too worried about being as accurate as possible because there wasn't actually enough information to go off anyway um so that was really fun because that just gave me full liberty to go wild and then by season five I'm doing all kinds of crazy things if anyone has seen season five they will know exactly what I mean and you know that's just fabulous that the script writers could could have that much freedom with it and and then brilliant for me to be able to play it because I love that kind of stuff and just being able to to go for it and then with Princess Eugenie however who is obviously in our you know current times there was definitely a sense of oh my gosh this is a real person who exists but I will say we did it within the Windsor's Endgame which was a stage production of the Channel 4 show the Windsor's um, which if anyone has seen the Windsor's on Channel 4 it is absolutely bonkers it's extremely heightened stylized caricatured it's taking like a slice of real life and then amplifying it by thousands so 
anything you watch on that show, you it's just so warped and not real in a sense that you know it's it's just totally sardonic and sarcastic and you know caricature. So in a sense, again, I was lucky in that sense that the stage version of it as well was was okay. This is real person, so that it's based on a couple of things. However, make it your own, go crazy. And, you know, make it stylized and heightened. And I loved that aspect of it because then I didn't feel too, yeah, sort of unsafe to not go for it. Now, we must talk about The Last Kingdom um, before we finish because it's the last season ever, which is really sad. But you, this has been a mainstay of your life since you were 21. So if you compare yourself to when you started The Last Kingdom till now, what do you think you've learned over that time about yourself? That's such a good question. Honestly, I have learned so much in abundance. I wouldn't even know where to begin. I just think this sense of naturally growing older, you do develop into a different person. I will say I'm a completely different person from the age of 21 to 28. Acting wise, I've learned so much on that job. Like The Last Kingdom has taught me everything I know about screen acting. It's given me all the sort of confidence to be able to really play anything on screen. I feel like season one, I was still very young. I hadn't done a lot of screen work. I'd only been really used to stage. And so I was quite petrified when the camera was in front of me right in my face of knowing what to do with it is you know I almost saw it as like a a foe but now I see it as a complete friend I now totally feel comfortable with the camera there and I know not exactly how it will be used but I I have such a clearer vision of what the camera is doing right now in that sense and so feeling really comfortable to make interesting choices and to really go for it and um yeah, not not to worry also about being too subtle as well. I feel like The Last Kingdom is such a wonderful high stakes show. Every single scene is full of unbelievable twists and turns, people in danger, just the most amazing writing and the most incredible characters that you, you just fall in love with and you just, you know, wish them really well or wish them really ill or, you know, you just can't believe what's going to happen next. So being immersed in that world really made me think, right, this is like, you can really go for it. You can really have fun with this and again because Lady Elswood's so different from me yeah learning how to really tap into somebody so far away from me was so lovely but then also knowing that there's a you know having a camera right there only just added I think so much to like my acting skills and I will say I still don't have a clue what I'm doing I never have a clue what I'm doing really but it's definitely given me an unbelievable amount of I guess security in just knowing that the camera is your friend Knowing what you know now, is there anything that you would like go back in time and tell the younger Eliza? Ooh, maybe, I guess maybe not to beat myself up so much, actually. I think I would come off of like, let's say the filming sets and think, oh, I didn't, I didn't get that or I didn't really, you know, I, I guess the sense of feeling like constantly... Yeah, just just being quite harsh on myself when actually looking back, I did everything I could. And the moment I think that's why I always say that as advice, as as long as you've done everything you can, possibly you can't really come away from it, beat yourself up. And, you know, even if there was more to be done, we're still just humans at the end of the day. And, you know, you're. I care enough about the job that I do that I always know it's going to 
it's going to be okay. And the editors are so fantastic. They know how to maneuver the edit to make it really pack a punch or, or really make it as clear as possible or as emotional as possible. They're so good at knowing how to, yeah, sort of create the story that in a sense, you're always in safe hands. I feel, you know, especially working on big television shows like that, there's, there's so much else around you that it sends, I feel like when I was younger, I could have taken the pressure off myself a little bit and um, really just enjoyed every moment. But I will say, because The Last Kingdom is such a family, the more we did it, the more comfortable we became. Yeah, obviously this is a massive opportunity in a way with with it ending because you can go on and do other things and explore new areas. But did when it came to an end, finally, did you feel a sense of bereavement from that? Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's more a bereavement with all the people that we've met along the way. This thing of like working with these people day in, day out, you just yeah everybody just absolutely adored each other and I know that sounds so silly but it's true there was a really tight bond between everybody on the show and um, between cast and crew and you know we had some of the most incredible crew working on the show since 2014 when it began all the way till you know now they've done this spin-off movie so even into 2022 so that there's just unbelievable commitment to the show and to know that people have been looking after it for so long and have been caring about it for so long and been passionate about it and and the fans it's and to me the bereavement is like oof, with the fans that that connection that we've all created you know with them throughout all the years and how wonderful they've been so into the show and so immersed in it and I get the most amazing messages from fans just describing to me their favorite scenes and the, the bits that moved them the most and I think that that part of the show not having that connection with these people anymore well not anymore because the, the show will always exist people will always get to, to to watch it and be involved with it but I think the bereavement of of yeah creating more for them feels like kind of heartbreaking and saying goodbye to the characters is always so heartbreaking now I'm not going to play Lady Elspeth again, really, unless it's like in a really funny way for something or like, you know, be marrying someone at somebody's wedding, but dressed as Lady Elspeth going, you are now husband and wife, <laughs> some sort of thing. <laughs> but it's true what they say, as one door closes, another one opens and you're already doing new things. So what's next for you? Is there anything in particular that you'd like to try? Any like genres or anything that you'd be really intrigued to do? Oh, Molly, so I'm, I'm so, yeah, I'm so lucky that at the moment I'm working on this um, project, A Town Called Malice, which couldn't be further from Lady Elsworth and The Last Kingdom if I tried. It's an amazing TV show. It's set in the 1980s. It's partly set in Bermondsey in South London and then also partly set in the Costa del Sol of Spain. So there's this really fabulous, glamorous, vibrant world of the show. And what's really awesome is that everybody loves 80s music. It brings such nostalgia, even though you know I wasn't even born in the 80s I was born in 1993 but just the sense even for me it brings me nostalgia just knowing about that fabulous era of time and so it's so rooted in the music there's the most incredible costumes it's so fun but it's also so gritty and again follows the most incredible character storylines so I feel like the audience that will watch A Town Called Malice will totally fall in love with these amazing dynamic characters and as I said earlier we are kind of a big family called the Lords and um, this family basically go on the run and they get themselves into all kinds of situations and trouble and it's it's kind of a bit gangstery it's a bit raw but at the same time it's highly stylized 
absolutely gorgeous and just like fun, 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 as well as being really, really engaging and dramatic. So I think it's awesome for me to play because my character is called Carly Lord and she's very, very glamorous, very, very girly. She's just a really sort of fun and fabulous person, often a little bit ditzy, but um, her character goes in some amazing avenues throughout the season. So it's just going to be so exciting to keep playing it. It's so awesome. Well, I'm sure there'll be loads of people looking forward to that, including me, when it comes out finally. That's all of my questions. Thank you so much for talking to me. What else are you going to be doing today? Are you Are going to be lazing on the beach in Tenerife? I think so. It's actually a really sunny day. So I'm going to go out, maybe find some food, do some lovely things, go for a lovely walk and just, yeah, enjoy the sunshine a bit more for sure. Oh my God, so jealous, sat here in London. Not, not come on over, well. please come on over and enjoy my inc- incredible pineapple wallpaper that I have behind me. <laughs> yeah, I should just say that Eliza is wearing a brilliant yellow top, which is perfectly matching with her pineapple wallpaper. Yes. <laughs> is it tapas this afternoon that you're probably going to be having? Oh, that will be a dream. I didn't think tapas, but now that you've said that, Molly, it has to be tapas. We have to find tapas. That would be the best. Oh my God, you're living everyone's dream. (laughs) So jealous. Well, look, thank you so much for talking to me today. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. I've absolutely loved talking to you, Molly. And it's just so nice to explore all the themes of balance and also about acting. And yeah, it's just a it's just a wonderful thing to get to talk about. And uh, yeah, it's just amazing to speak to you. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, fresh. 